0: and welcome to another episode of Barbells Bikinis and Balance. Today I have a very special guest, his name is Bilal and as a personal trainer following the Islamic religion, he has come on today to kindly give some advice to fellow Muslims who are going to be participating in Ramadan and I'm going to just be asking him a variety of questions all about some concerns about health and how to maximise your health during the holy month of Ramadan. So welcome Bilal, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me, Storm. Thank you, thank you very much.
0: (laughs) And um, just to get started, I'm going to get you to please introduce yourself, tell us a bit about you, and tell us about what your driving purpose is and any relevant information, there you go. Any
1: relevant information, okay, it's a loaded question, Storm, Um, but a good one to start off with. So, (laughs) personal trainer, um, full-time personal trainer, my name is Bilal, Um, I live in the United Kingdom, so very far away from Storm, Um, but uh, essentially, a bit more by myself I kind of started on this journey focused heavily on mobility and movement and the reason that is is because I myself uh, I pretty much trained all my life my father kind of pushed me to training from a very young age um, but I found myself in that uh, later on teens with a bit of a messed up body and I say that kind of respectfully um, in that my shoulders my hips my neck and all that kind of stuff and in your teens or in your 20s you really shouldn't be feeling like that um, I was doing a bunch of boxing mm. a bunch of bodybuilding um and that's kind of where i started to decide right this just doesn't feel right i can't even move my leg past the certain point I can't even lift my left shoulder above my head um and at the time that was kind of like the start of your, your your athletic career so to speak you just want to kind of do a bunch of sports right um so if i continue down that road i kind of saw probably not very good ending so i decided right let me just take it on to myself a bit of responsibility and learn about my own body and movement mobility and that sort of thing Um, So that's kind of where even no intention to become a personal trainer at the time, I was in different careers, different full-time jobs, just like most people are. Um, And then I decided to buy courses, again, no intention of becoming a personal trainer, and I kind of went down that mobility and movement route. Figured out myself how to improve my own mobility, how to still lift weights, but do it the right way for myself. Um, And then quickly transitioned into once to become a personal trainer, now a full-time career. Online and in person, and I use kind of mobility as a stepping stone to help people understand what health, this big picture of health, actually is. Because as much as mobility and movement is important, it is really just one piece of the puzzle, um, and there's a much bigger um, thing there. So I guess you could say my purpose right now um, is helping people or understand what health truly is, um, and if they need mobility and movement as a stepping stone into that, then that's that's basically where I've come from, and I'm basically be able to mentor them through that, um, but also just understand how being in this game of health isn't this kind of 12-week transformation. I'm very much about this whole longevity picture. I mean, that's my driving purpose, to make people understand health better or the right way, in my opinion.
0: I love that. That is um, a really lovely story about how you started and how you found your driving purpose. And I do think a lot of our kind of own journeys come from something that's happened to us personally, and that you can then carry that with emotion and passion through to the people and to the people that you're like that are your clients and yeah mobility is so important and it definitely is just one one little piece of the puzzle um for anyone that's listening if you've ever had a personal training assessment part of the assessment would be to go through some foundational movements and see where your kind of mobility is at and even just like trying to put one hand above your shoulder and your other hand behind it's called the scratch test have you done that one before and see and like we can see how far you can reach like you say you can even get your left shoulder to move above a certain range so it shows that you've got an impingement and you definitely need to work on your mobility so it's a great starting point to kind of assess someone's mobility and um, now you have got you've just launched a ramadan transformation challenge Mm -hmm.
1: Yep. and can
0: you tell me a little bit can you can you tell me a little bit about um about it and kind of like what what the kind of um thinking was behind it
1: absolutely yeah absolutely um, so the ramadan transformation special yeah. um, is the, the cool title um that's coined um, but essentially the goal here is yeah. to take on individuals who are about to observe ramadan so muslims obviously um or any individual who just chooses to fast the 30 days because i have a quite a few non-muslim clients who are going to jump in with us um, but essentially the goal of the transformation challenge is to recognize that whilst we 're walking into a month heavily focused on our spirituality uh, that there is this segment or I feel especially in the culture of you know kind of going into fasting and then just eating your heart out every single day, there seems mm-hmm. to be this notion of letting go of health in the name of spirituality, and in my eyes that 's a bit of a conflict of interest when it comes to the overall picture of health um, so the transformation challenge I guess was born out of this understanding of right how can we still um, improve or at least not take a step backwards to improve the quality of your life through improving your health and through Ramadan that would be making good quality decisions when it comes to your food food is going to be probably probably the biggest thing in my Mm -hmm. opinion Ramadan things like hydration and then other things like sleep and so on and that hopefully in turn will help um, you gain the most out of Ramadan when it comes from a spiritual perspective and the two link heavily um they're not mutually exclusive mm-hmm. and essentially that was the goal behind it and i've had a very very good response with people recognizing that right if i want my stamina or my ability and motivation to go on through ramadan and take advantage of this month as as, as you know living in the ue how sacred it is for muslims and how seriously we take it um, being low in energy being fatigued and being lethargic throughout ramadan because of poor health choices um is something that i just didn't, didn't want to happen so any fellow muslim basically jumped in on that program we're getting a ton of information as to how they can optimize themselves move forward but also allow it to leverage and get into a spiritual game for yeah.
0: yeah and it's so interesting that you've recognized this because i guess there's some people will put on weight during ramadan because like you said um they will go into their iftar meal and just completely indulge because in their mind they haven't eaten all day and that means they can have whatever they want but there's still obviously this thing called your maintenance calories and if you go over those in one sitting you're still going to put on weight um and then you've got the opposite end of the spectrum some people yeah so go on go on
1: yeah, I was just saying, I think we're the only community that can prove that you can put on weight after even fasting 16 to 19 hours a day. Like we've literally proven that you can do it whilst fasting, which is ridiculous. But that's cultural heavy. You know, it's not a religious perspective. It's not a, a religious um, you know, kind of belief, but it's definitely a cultural thing that comes from, like, okay, just eat your heart out, cultural heavy foods, full of oil, pastries, and that sort of thing. But yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I was gonna say, and then there are other people that do genuinely lose weight because they're not quite meeting their maintenance calories, and yeah. quite often it's not deliberate. There's just absolutely no sort of awareness of it, like you say. It's just a, a very, it has been, or it seems to be something that is second during the month, yeah. the month of Ramadan, and yeah. Um, yeah. So I've got some, I've got some questions that are going to kind of have a bit more of a focus on certain things. So the first one, actually a bit personal. So can you tell us a bit about your personal experience with Ramadan and how it affects your personal fitness routine?
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I've had various different experiences through Ramadan uh, when it comes to my personal and fitness experience. Um, you could say Ramadan is kind of like, a, it always seems to come at the right time from a spiritual perspective us to engross in business and life and so on, it kind of comes to you like, oh, you know what, I do need to take out some time for, for my spiritual reasons or religious reasons. But for me, from a fitness perspective, I've had years where I made a ton of mistakes, though, like, to be completely honest, where I made a ton of mistakes. I kind of use Ramadan as, as like, you know, oh, fasting 19 hours, challenge accepted, let me go train just as hard as I would outside of Ramadan and stuff my face every single day. Um, And that's kind of been, you know, a few years back now, thankfully, with a bit of education, that's changed. But I've made those mistakes, you know, train extremely hard um, in the middle of the day. And then the rest of the day, I'm fatigued and lethargic, wondering why the hell I'm young, I should be able to train this hard. Um, So there's been that perspective of using Ramadan as kind of like a challenge accepted and foregoing the spiritual um, benefits completely. Um, then, of course, in terms of you know, when you grow and you mature and you recognize, right, what is the real value of Ramadan here when it comes to a spiritual religious perspective? Um, what can I gain? What benefits can I gain? Recently, I'm, I get really excited for it. Like this, this, like Wednesday, Thursday, I'm extremely excited for Ramadan. Because for me, it's kind of like a like a detox from life itself. Um, and just like, you know, all the things that otherwise would stress you out, you can pull away from. And the focus is now shifted onto something else. From a health perspective and my fitness routine, all that kind of stuff, what I tend to do is, it it is secondary for me. However, it's not something, just because it's secondary, it's not something that I completely mitigate and go, right, let me just forget about it. Because I recognize Mm -hmm. how much of an impact it has on the Ramadan itself. So it's like me saying, I want to be productive in Ramadan, let me just use health as the ability to kind of maximize that benefit. So I eat good, I still train, I don't train as intensely as I do outside of Ramadan. Um, and I'm prioritising all these nutritional rules that I've placed into myself, and number one that will hopefully be sharing. Um, but it's it's been up and down. Some months I'm like, oh man, number here, and I'm like, oh damn, I'm a bit nervous for it because I'm working and it's a physical job, passion training. Um, but then this year, honestly, I'm in a place where I'm like just really looking forward to it. I can't wait to put all the kind of like eating practice and. The hydration, all that kind of stuff into place, and then just kind of work on actually everything that I want to work on and just grow as a person at the end of it. So that's me right now, currently. But I've made all the mistakes that some of the listeners will be um, listening to. And I'll yeah. So to have it.
0: And I feel like you've learned so much over the over the years that you'll probably, I get the sense that you are really looking forward to it this time around because you have got systems in place to help make this month one of the most productive Ramadans of your life, <laughs> by much. the sounds of it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. and that's how
1: I do it, absolutely,
0: yeah. So, this is going to go nicely into the next question. So, are there any specific exercises or workouts that you recommend for people who are fasting during Ramadan, and, and also ones that they should avoid?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with what you should avoid, in my opinion and from, like I said, from past okay. clients and my current clients. And that way we can kind of omit those and go into what I think is, a, this is definitely something that I recommend. Now, in Ramadan, you're gonna be dehydrated for most of the day, kind of especially in the afternoon period. Um, and you're not eating. Recoverability is something that's hampered completely. Your sleeping pattern or your window changes, which is something that influences your recovery, hydration, and your food. So three of the biggest pillars that would help you recover and feel fantastic. So right away, when it comes from an intensity standpoint of you working out, you want to look at intensity and frequency and think, right, how can I toggle with these two um, categories to kind of basically, you know, just adjust for that Ramadan period. Um, and so what you don't want to do is go into the gym thinking you'll have the same energy, or at least the same recoverability as you do outside of Ramadan. Now, initially, people will do this when they walk into Ramadan the first three to four days. You really don't feel the effects right away you having you're coming from a routine of having eaten and that sort of thing but that's two to three days so all right you can train a little bit harder then that's absolutely fine but as ramadan progresses what you'll tend to find is that fatigue starts to accumulate accumulate quite a bit i mean fast 15 fast 20 you are quite you know you're at And if you approach exercise from the wrong way now this is what i would say is the high intensity interval training kind of sessions and um, the long um, steady state cardio type of sessions are those the sessions that i would avoid um, they're extremely intense, but your recoverability isn't there to be able to mitigate or offset the after effects of a, a hard hit session, right? Um, you're not able yeah. to hydrate yourself on point. You're not able to eat the amount of carbohydrates that you would otherwise normally be able to eat outside of Ramadan. So I'm thinking hit type of stre- hit training, too stressful on the body in Ramadan to try and reduce or look away from possibly into a different type of training style. Now, people will turn around and say, like, lifting weights is essentially a form of high intensity interval. But there's a lot more that you can control as opposed to doing burpees and squats and running on a treadmill, doing sprinting intervals and things like that. So there's a a controlled environment in which we can operate. And then there's like long, steady state kind of cardios, going for long runs and things like that. Again, if we're not able to hydrate, we're not able to kind of, you know, restore glycogen and all that kind of stuff and sleep and rest and recover, then I would stay away from any long-form bouts of cardio or long-form bouts of any type of exercise. Anything outside 45 minutes, in my opinion, Ramadan, is going to go against you it's going to probably make you feel tired um and again people have their own preferences and how hard they can train but from it from the standpoint and the perspective that i'm taking here is how can you make sure your energy levels don't dip too far down in ramadan that in the daytime you're just like oh i'm dragging my heels i'm tired all in the name and sake of just trying to train as hard as you can in a month Where yeah, spirituality mm-hmm. is the main reason so that's what i wouldn't do right what i would do um, is like I said at the beginning toggle with those two um, categories of frequency and intensity and when it comes to intensity you want to bring that down right the way down right the way down <laughs> and allow your ego to sit back a little bit because nothing's going to happen from a, you're not going to lose as much as you possibly think I think people overestimate how much they'll lose um, and underestimate how much a little bit of work can do for them across and move when you adjust to these types of things so when I'm saying intensity if you normally train at an intensity of 8, 9 and 10 um, I would knock that right down to a six, maybe to a seven mm-hmm. on some occasions if you're feeling fantastic, right? Um, and that's kind of you exerting yourself. From a time perspective or frequency perspective, if your workouts, now my workouts currently last anywhere from 50 to 90 minutes. I'm probably never in Ramadan gonna touch that 90 minute window and I would highly recommend you don't. It's just excessive in Ramadan. Um, like I said, and I can always touch on this, hydration, sleep, and food are not where they normally are. Um, so just knock that down to 45 minutes get a good session of movement in, um, anything mobility based, you can still lift weights, you'll be absolutely fine, just extend your rest time. From a frequency mm-hmm. standpoint, I currently train six times a week, super intense session, strength and conditioning, all that, I'm gonna bring that right down to three. And the reason I do that still is so I can have days in between where I don't train well, just prioritize maybe walking or light, very, very light exercise. Um, so I might train Monday, Wednesday and Saturday. I've got myself nice rest periods, and in the weekend, I'll be focusing on very light forms of exercise, like walking. And that will be just before opening fast. Um, and this mm-hmm. is kind of like the system I go into Ramadan with, having done the whole train five times a week as if I'm outside of Ramadan, and just felt absolutely flatlined when I come out of Ramadan, because I've just tried to treat it as every other month, which it's not, it simply is not, and we have to factor for those changes. That's kind of yeah. where I would start with what you would omit, how you would approach it, and what you'd prioritise. Another big thing you can talk about, or at least do for yourself in Ramadan, um, a lot of my clients do this who just don't want to train too intensely, go into like a little bit of a mobility routine. This is something I'll be sharing on my page as well. Um, but light form, low intensity, mobility and movement, little routines, would work wonders. It's kind of like you thinking, right, I'm moving away from the really high intensity weightlifting, bodybuilding, whatever the type of form of training that you're normally used to, um, and going, right, let me just give my joints, and so my tendons, the ligaments, some rest and recovery, We'll work on the mobility and movement will still feel fantastic, the endorphins and all that will still be released. Uh, but you'll just feel four on the bond. probably one of the most perfect things you can do. Work on your weak points and just improve how you feel all around.
0: Perfect, yeah. There's some really, really valuable, tangible things that people can use there, which is amazing. Thank you so much. No this is going to lead really well into the next question. So, for anyone that's listening, um, there's um two main meals there's the suho which is before sunrise and this is kind of your loading up prior to sunrise for the day ahead am I right in saying that
1: yeah you could say that yeah
0: (laughs) and then yeah and then you've got your iftar which is sunset and this is where you break your fast traditionally with a couple of dates or something sweet and then the big the big family come together traditionally and have have a feast and it's really a great time for people to come together and make some really special memories in this month um so when would you say you you mentioned that you you would potentially do your, your exercise session just before you break your fast in the evening and when when do you think when would you advise people to work out? Because I think middle of the day personally is un- inadvisable because yeah. you've gone so long without hydration and yeah. like, then it will be a while before you can rehydrate and, yeah. and fuel up your muscle cells again with, Absolutely. with energy. So when would you advise, what are the main points in the day that you think are the best times to work out? Yeah.
1: Um, again, going down the practicality route first, most obvious time that you can train is just before fast opening either okay. an hour and a half so you finish your session 45 minutes and you have a 45 minute window where you just freshen up and get ready for fast opening time and for sundown um, and at least that way like you said we don't leave an extended amount of time before you're able to hydrate before you're able to you know, bring your sugar levels back up to normal where you're not feeling too lethargic or too down and you don't let that fatigue set in and kind of stick with you now Uh, the risk of training at 12 o'clock depending especially on your climate um if you train in the afternoon like you said very extended window of time no hydration no food and you are going to feel lethargic and fatigued which is probably one of the worst feelings in amazon where your mouth is dry and you're parched and you're sat there you're like oh god i've just watched the clock run down all the way and i definitely wouldn't recommend Um, so from a from a recovery standpoint i would love for people to think about right just before that um, fast opening time then you can eat as per usual, have your normal meal, that sort of thing. Um, another thing my clients like to do is they open their fast with a fairly light meal. So they'll have their dates in their water. Sugar levels will come back to fairly normal levels because they're subpar during the fast. Um, mm-hmm. And then they'll have a very light meal, so mainly carbohydrates, a bit of protein, but nothing too filling. Then they'll walk themselves to a gym and get their exercise routine in there. And that way, what people will find is because you have having eaten and going into a workout with a meal inside of you, your energy levels will be uh, will be okay, will be steady, right? It's it not going to be anything special, but you'll probably feel normal in the sense of within Ramadan uh, or that Ramadan environment. Um, and so that's also a possibility. So between that window of fast opening and fast closing, you do have a perfect opportunity there, either focused around after meals Um, and before that meal here, you could train. So you could treat it as if like, all right, we have a small meal at Iftar, then we train, and then we treat Suhoor as the kind of recovery workout meal post, right? Or you have a big meal, give yourself a little bit of time, then you train, and then a light, fairly light meal, replenish glycogen, again, drink water, you're smashing the water, trying to make sure you're hydrated, and those are two, three options that you could go for. Just before Iftar, and in between um, opening your fast and closing your fast, and those are the windows. And I definitely wouldn't recommend anybody fast too early on in the fast at all. Um, like you said, we just we just don't have the opportunity to drink water or anything like that. But that's mm-hmm. what I would like to drink. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and I think that's great because I actually had someone that was saying that they feel really great in the mornings after their suhor and should they work out after then, but then the mm-hmm. issue is not yeah. being able to hydrate or replenish yeah. yourself yeah. following yeah. the workout. Yeah. Even if they do feel really great that might then lead to them feeling really really drained just before they break their fast at sundown so um yeah no i think i i um feel like i'm very on track with you on that and one thing i'd like to um ask you yeah i don't know if this is it was something i was thinking about to help people um feel hydrated during ramadan and do you have any top tips for staying hydrated while fasting and also i was thinking about electrolytes and being able to incorporate them maybe in your suho and having a big glass of water with some electrolytes in them yeah. but yeah your suho and i wondered like i was trying to think of tips myself for my clients and is that something you would also recommend
1: yeah, absolutely. So from my understanding when it comes to electrolytes and when I've coached with other coaches who have been my coaches, I said that a very convoluted way, but my coaches have basically recommended if ever we start to incorporate electrolytes, you do have to follow it with a good amount of water intake afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually recommend electrolytes early on when opening the fast rather than closer to closing the fast. <clears throat> because post-electrolytes, you do want to start to have a consistent amount of water. I think essentially this is why, you know, after a long nights of sleep, People wake up in the morning, and coaches, or at least you know, the science dictates that, having electrolytes first thing in the morning, because you're dehydrated, but then it follows a full day of being able to drink water, suits your ability to take advantage of those electrolytes. So I would say, early on in opening the fast, you could then pop it into a t- two litre bottle of water, whichever electrolytes you feel comfortable with. Um, I think it's uh, Supplement Needs uh, are a great company for a good, solid, whole round um, electrolyte. Highly, highly recommend that. I do that outside of Ramadan. Um, when it comes to um, hydration, outside of that, you could also think about right. So water is obviously going to be our priority number one. Bottled water, um, whatever. Um, Are you going to pound water from fast opening right through fast close? And in that window, it's actually really convenient to get around two to three litres of water. But one thing that we have to put into perspective here is because it's such a short window, and you're chugging a lot of water. Remember, you will urinate just as much as you will based on that amount or speed or frequency that you're drinking that water. So what people have to then understand is still drink water to your comfort. I think this is a big mistake when it comes to hydration. And I go into another tip that you know, really, really benefits me. Is like if you're going to try and chug two to three liters of water, you're probably going to wake up in the night after mm-hmm. sundown um, and pee a shit ton. And that will ruin your sleep and you'll feel like, OK, cool, this wasn't a great idea. and My sleep is now hampered. There has to be a balance there as well. Like just because you know you're fasting, you know you're not going to be able to drink water doesn't mean you overcompensates at such a ridiculous level that you just sat there peeing all day and kind of like you feel like you have to do this. Two to three litres of water, make sure you're not feeling too aggressively full. Um, but one of the other low key things that I love to do is coconut water. Um, and I rotate this at two to three times a week, full of potassium, natural electrolytes. Coconut water, depending on the brand that you're getting, electrolytes is fantastic. Now, specific to Muslims, as we're speaking to Muslims, there's a point where after you've opened fast, everybody just sat down, bellies are full, and you're like, oh, that was good, <laughs> and you're having a great time. There's this window there after we go into prayers, like nightly prayers. In between your prayers, that's a great time, because you're active and you're moving, to sip your water. When you're sat down and you're idle and you're drinking it ton of water, you'll tend to feel a little more bloated and full, and that possibly will come into your way of eating. Again, you have to find a balance with water. You chug down water, you're not able to eat, you feel hungry, um, and, and the peeing and the sleep effects and all that kind of stuff. So coconut water is fantastic. Don't have it every single day, but just rotate it in and out, Um, but then also in that space of nightly prayers where you're moving quite a bit, it's probably a little bit of a dead time for people where they don't think they need to eat or anything like that, but it's a great way to fill up a bottle of water, have coconut water right next to your prayer mat and that sort of thing, and just sip away. I'm going to do that, I'll go to the mosque in the evening, that's about an hour, hour and a half of my time. I'll just sip water in between the prayers, in between the breaks of prayers. And you just tend to feel like oh i'm not drank too much water but i'm satisfied and i can still have yeah. a bit of yeah. food just before closing the fast and so on but hydration um it's kind of like don't overcompensate ridiculous amounts unless you're about to run a marathon on the but you're probably not gonna so you'd be alright. Yeah. yeah
0: it's really interesting i was listening to a podcast recently with andrew huberman and andy mm-hmm. galpin and yeah. it's so it's just such an evidence based podcast. I just absolutely love it. I'm such yeah, a geek yeah. for Andy Huberman. And yeah. <laughs> they were talking about over hydrating and waking up if you're waking up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet, then you've probably drank too much in the day. And that was really interesting to me because there's the people are always saying like hydrate more, hydrate more, encourage to drink two to three two to three liters of water but actually if people start hitting that three liters and then they're waking up in the night to go to the toilet then that's probably indicative that they are drinking too much for them yeah. and like yeah. like you just pointed out yeah, yeah be comfortable gonna... with your what you're drinking don't force yeah. it and overcompensate yeah
1: Ooh, absolutely i can't stress that enough storm it's it's ramadan it's not like you will have some gla- some water and some food at the end of your day I mean, I don't want people to think about optimization to the max, where we start to look at Ramadan as a health challenge to the perspective of, or at least take it to this degree where we pound the water, I'm trying to keep my calories, at I'm, so I'm trying to maintain muscle, I don't want to get shredded and all that. Like all of these things to me is to be quite like two-dimensional when you're viewing Ramadan. So have a bit mm. of water until you feel satisfied. And guess what? Usually your own body will tell you, right, this is too much or too less. But don't pound the water like it's your good job, you know what I mean? But that's a fantastic yeah. point as well, hampering your sleep and stress. Um, And sleep is going to be one of the crucial things that we discuss anyway. Um, But sleep, you've got to try and maximise your sleep in Ramadan. Try and maximise your energy during the day.
0: Yeah, perfect. Thank you so much. And let me have a quick look at... Okay, so like you just said about kind of people... I feel like people shouldn't... Not that. Like, obviously Ramadan is all about increasing your um close like feeling more spiritual and about prioritizing spirituality and feeling close to Allah and kind of being grateful for for everything and in that respect you you won't be able to like you say lose as much weight as you would like to in this month or vice versa you won't be able to gain as much muscle mass in this month but people could Maintain their muscle mass. Am I right in saying that? There's ways to maintain, yeah, and absolutely. what what sort of advice would you give for people that are trying to maintain their muscle mass and not lose it during Ramadan?
1: Um, great question. Great question. I have a lot of dudes that message me every single year around this time. Like, no, I've worked <laughs> really hard for eleven months. Don't tell me I'm going to lose it all. <laughs> yeah. The first place we gonna start with is you don't have to be scared about losing it all. Again, people overestimate how much muscle they will lose within this month. But a few practical takeaways when it comes to nutrition. Um, well, let's say, for example, you we were touching 150, 160 grams outside of the bar. Um, it may reduce because, again, your food window is shorter, but a little less protein, or try and keep to that amount of protein if you can. Again, if it's not labor intensive and you're not sat there chugging down chicken breast, you know, and it's feeling like a job, make sure it's very natural when it comes to your intake and you're quite like, intuitive about it but keep your protein fairly high. That's tip number one when it comes to nutrition. Um, second, from there, when it comes to your training, because these are two things that we can influence in the number one, alongside hydration, which can be super important, but your training. See now, a lot of people will think that, you know, you'll lose a ton of muscle. I lose a bit of muscle, but I'm okay with that. My ego's at rest and I'm like, okay, yeah, I look a little different in my T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. You lose a little bit of muscle if, of course, the calorie intake drops drastically, which for me, it will. Now, from a calorie perspective, if you're looking at your nutrition, if you're so afraid of losing muscle, try and keep close to your maintenance calories. And if you don't know what that is, just message Storm, I'm sure she'll be able to tell you. And then there's the online calculators you could kind of use, um, but just kind of go off the back of what you were eating before mother. All right, maintenance calories and high protein. But again, the reason why I sometimes stray away from giving this advice, Storm, is people will absolutely treat the, the food windows as food challenges. And, and I feel like that possibly moves us away from this entire goal of, moving away from like thinking, we need food, or we need this. Ramadan is a month where we abstain a little bit and we're like, okay, let me feel how it is to feel a little hungry so I can be grateful. So there is that kind of, you know, a little bit of a conflict there. The final thing when it comes to training, um, it's not even minimum effective volume. It's minimum maintenance volume. Maintenance volume is like a third of what you currently lift. So to put it into a very basic context, let's assume I'm doing 12 sets of bench press every single week and I'm seeing gains outside of Ramadan. And your training age will come into this, but let's say that's what I'm doing. In Ramadan, if I were to drop that really all the way down to four sets, so a third of what I'm currently doing, there is a good chance that you can maintain a decent amount of muscle. Now that does also mean pushing to failure and making sure um, you're kind of, you know, still challenged within those sets that's kind of the, the calculation that you can use. So it's not even minimum effective volume to grow, it's maintenance volume, which is literally a third or even less, and depending on whatever research paper you want to read. Um, but there is one that I've read recently where the Muslims didn't, I think they're training, like they were looking at dudes who had two years of training experience, and we know how research papers categorize fit people right Um, Mm. and they they found that after Ramadan that they didn't lose muscle and they just kept to a three-day training routine minimum or effective volume was what kind of think what they did and they reduced what they did outside of Ramadan or in Ramadan compared to what they did outside and they found that they can maintain muscle if you lose a bit of muscle you shouldn't be crying is probably what I would say to that. Like, if you do feel like, oh my God, muscle is this currency that I'm so, I need in my life, then I would ask a few other questions of you. Um, but then from there, we could look at you're probably going to lose a bit of a pump because you're dehydrated most days, you're not having as many carbohydrates, so you're glycogen mm-hmm. depleted. That might also be something that you think is muscle loss. But it's just a little bit of a pump loss, which is something I flatline day three into Ramadan. I look like a skinny boy again, but that's just because of the water and the carbohydrates. And that's it. That's what I would recommend.
0: That's a really interesting point that you just made there about the pump and people feeling like that. Yeah, Yeah, the pump is what people leave the gym feeling like, yeah, I'm really pumped up and I feel jacked. And yeah, that is going to be less, much less during Ramadan. And one thing that you said there that I really loved, sorry, you said that my ego is at rest during this month. And I think that's a huge takeaway. Like you can do, everything you can to just listen to your body, be sensible and like take the intensity and the volume down. You can still maintain what you've got, but just take your ego out of the equation and be at peace with, if you do lose a bit of muscle mass, then it's okay. And it's probably just the pump that you've lost at the end of it. If anything,
1: and uh, outside of Ramadan, the first four weeks outside of Ramadan, you will be eating back to normal you will look probably the same or maybe even a little leaner um, and you'll get back to what you were pre-normal and it will honestly for some people three to four weeks you'll be back up and running but it isn't a month where we 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 honestly put these things on a pedestal before the spiritual like i said yes health is so so important we shouldn't neglect it as they say tie the camel right um however things like muscle and you know being so fantasy centric it's important for some people and i get that i'm not saying again just uh, you know omit this completely what i am saying is it really the number one priority because you're still going to be exercising you're still going to be moving you're still going to be feeling good how about we treat this month as a point of gratitude for all the hard work you've done for the 11 months you give your body a little bit of a rest you're still moving and training three times a week and nothing's going to happen the floor the, yeah. the floor beneath your feet it's not going to disappear do you know what i mean
0: Treat it like a deload month. Yeah, go yeah. The rest of the year. yeah, I like it.
1: Yeah, never take a rest day after that. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I think like you've also put it into a bigger context where you've said for the other eleven months of the year, if you're training well, then it's not going to have such a huge impact on you. And I think, like you said at the start of this, it's not when you talk about health and fitness and transformations like you have to think of it as a long term thing. It's not just eight weeks, 12 weeks, like you can achieve a lot in eight to 12 weeks. That's why there are so many like, programs that run for this Mm -hmm. amount of time. But you you have to then think of what happens after those eight to 12 weeks, you can't just go back to how you were before. Mm -hmm. And you have to carry on those good habits that you've learned. And they whatever you learn in those eight to 12 weeks, it should be embedded long term and yeah I feel like um there's so many amazing takeaways from today's conversation and I want to say thank you so much is there any other advice that you would like to impart on today's episodes
1: Uh, when it comes to Ramadan honestly it's just um you know whilst I'm giving all these health optimization tips within Ramadan and, and, and all these things it's it is definitely a month of spirituality, getting closer to God, understanding our scripture, and, and, and recognizing that fasting, whilst you know, across the world the theme tends to be, um, we're, we're trying to mimic what happens when you know, all other people experience poverty and trying to relate to them so we can be more grateful. Absolutely. Um, but this is, this is kind of withdrawal from the typical things, like our phones, like our, um, the things that pull us pillar to post. Ramadan is honestly about getting a bit more centered and recognizing, like, what am I here for? what is the balance? Mm. and obviously this is a Muslim conversation um, but I think it's one that possibly would resonate in that, In terms of like let's take a step back for a second bird's eye view what are the priorities and on it is yes health is important focus on your health focus on your spirituality and I promise I think the, the connection of both of these things together will give you the best Ramadan possible um, and, and not to worry too much about muscle loss or you know, like, you know, do I have to drink four liters of water and pee myself to death every single day? Things like that, that otherwise you put too much emphasis on What's the bigger picture here in Ramadan? And that's honestly what I would impart with the most people i like to speak to. And this comes again, you know, I understand I'm probably a little, a few more years into my journey than most people. Um, there was once a time where I cared about how I looked in a t-shirt in Ramadan and outside of it. It happens, right? Um, but that's just the advice that I would love to impart to people is look at the bigger picture and zoom out a little bit.
0: I love that. Thank you so much. And Bilal, before we go, can you tell us where people can find you online, on social media?
1: Yeah, social media, just Instagram, um, Bilal underscore Malik underscore PT. Uh, For movement, mobility, health, absolutely anything, you can go check my page. I appreciate you doing that, Storm. That's where you can find me.
0: No worries. Thank you so much. Yeah, Thank you it. so much. Honestly, it's been such an eye-opening conversation and I really appreciate your time. And I wish you just a really positive experience this Ramadan.
1: Likewise, thank you so much, Tom. You'll have to jump in and, and partake in a few fasts. We'll do a, we'll do a supercharged fasting challenge.
0: <laughs> I like that, I've done it before, I have done it before. I have done it before and I did do my suhoor and everything. So I would love to do that, just let me know. Let's do it. Perfect, do it. thank okay. you very much.
1: Thank you very much, Tom, appreciate it, thank you. Amazing.